0: I I had opportunities to to pin guys in the first round, but I'd let them off their back so I can get some more takedowns, so I could learn a little bit more.
1: We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would
0: say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed, and everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy.
1: We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's. Five percent of the ingredient—it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, it taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt. Right? You learn, you learn how to adapt. You learn how to solve problems.
0: You know, if I look back at my time that's good wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Stephen Avis. He's back on the show. He was just on episode 396, and Stephen is back. For those of you who didn't listen to episode 396, Stephen is an Olympic silver medalist, three-time NCAA champ, one of the best wrestlers all time to come from this country, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Fan of the week goes to our friend Leroy1901, left an Apple podcast review on March 20th, The subject is, first time I was introduced to your podcast at Nationals and decided to start listening on Sunday morning as it made the 12-plus hour drive home from Tulsa to Michigan. Great podcast, great interviews, and it goes on. Thank you so much, Leroy, for listening to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Help every Chicago youth say that wrestling changed their life with a donation to Beat the Street Chicago today. It would mean the world to me if you guys donated any amount of money to Beat the Street Chicago. Go to btschicago.org slash donate. This episode is also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Download the Quant Wrestling app now in the Google and Apple Play stores, Quant Wrestling Q-U-A-N-T. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Stephen Abbas. Stephen Abbas, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um,
0: you know, uh I wanna thank all the, the people that helped me get here. I wanna thank you, Ryan, for giving me this platform to, to be able to speak. Um, you know, I think as we get older, there's a part of us that wants to share our lives, our experiences. And um, I've uh, had a lot of experiences in my life and um, I think it's just an aw- awesome opportunity to, to be able to reach some people. Now I was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, a few years back and um, for my speech, I, I you know, I think about it now, and I'm like, man, I could have said so much more. I could have thanked a whole lot more people, and um, this is just a, a perfect opportunity to do that. So um, I want to say thank you to my coaches. I want to say thank you uh, to all my workout partners that were there for me, um, guys that sponsored me like Art Martori, Sunkiss Kids, um, those guys that were crucial to my success and helped me get to where I'm at. So I just want to say thank you first. Yeah,
1: off. absolutely, man. And I know we we spoke about an hour last time, and for a lifetime of wrestling, that's that's not nearly enough. And we hit on some of the highlights, and I actually listened to it this morning. But you know, one thing, uh you know, one thing that you that you we kind of hit on, but we didn't really talk about because it hadn't happened was the NCAA tournament. And you said that was one of your favorite events, just because the crowd, that thing just happened, man. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but what are your thoughts on uh, twenty twenty three Nationals?
0: Oh, yes. I watched it all right. Um, you know, I wish I could have saw my nephew a few more times, but they showed little clips of them. But I was there, I recorded it, and uh, and I uh, and I watched all the mag- – uh, whatever they showed. Um, great surprises, like always. Great upsets, like always. Um, it was just exciting. You know, one of my buddies went for the first time, and I told him, oh, man, enjoy it. It's going to be your best tournament you've ever been to. And uh, afterwards, he texted me. and was like, you're right, man. It was awesome. And I was like, man, I had a blast sitting at home watching it, just being a part of it. So, oh yeah, it was exciting. Um, you know, a lot of times people compared me and uh, and Spencer Lee, um, saying who would who would win if they all wrestled. And I've heard some opinions, on both sides. And um, I think after he lost, they, uh, there was a little bit more leaning towards me. I think. Yeah. But that was an exciting. That was an exciting time.
1: The sound in that arena was absolutely absurd, and <clears throat> it's funny. I actually never thought about you wrestling lead, but I did think about you and Vito because Vito, wow, that's a that's a wrestler, man. Like that dude was unbelievable in that semifinal and in the finals.
0: Oh yes, um you know, and, and I I'm tend to look at the faces before they go out. I tend to look at their their mentality and where where their mind's at. Um, they had a, a little clip of him warming up in the back. I don't know where I saw it It was just him moving around and the the look and focus on on his face was amazing. I'm like, man, that guy's the champ right there. Um, and Roman Bravo has been my favorite for a few years now. Um, just the way he moves, the way he attacks, um, the unpredictability of his motion. Um, I loved watching him wrestle. And when Vito took it to him, um, I, I was actually, you know, watching Roman Bravo too in the semis. He didn't look too good. No, like he, he looked like he, he struggled a little bit. And so, carrying him to the finals, I'm, I was thinking, where's his mentality at? And I think Vito came out to, to get him. And yeah. Sure enough,
1: that semifinal with RBY and McGee. I've said it about five times in the last two weeks, but that was. McGee was almost too aggressive, just too going at it. He, he could have maybe sat on that and, and it's not going to win there, but I mean, that was a great semifinal as well. Like those three matches, Lee in Ramos, and then right next to it, we had, we had fix and Vito, and that was crazy. And then right to the right of that, you know, we had, uh, had McGee and RBY, it was just crazy. And I love watching the matches where Kale gets animated because he doesn't get animated that much. And he was getting really excited in that RBY match.
0: Right, right. No, I, uh, I think McGee. He had the opportunity. He had his leg right at the end of the match. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my eyes, you get the leg, you need to score, and he had the opportunity. And you're not going to get very many opportunities on RBY, so yeah, he, he had the chance. It went, went out right out the window.
1: When you're watching, uh, Spencer Lee kind of struggle in that match. And I thought he was injured. They haven't said he's injured. And if he wrestles at the U S open, well, no, he wasn't. So if he wasn't injured, it kind of even more curious because it didn't look like the same offensive type of wrestler. Do you think that could be a combination of just the nerves and the pressure or, or what do you make of that kind of performance in the semis there with Lee? Um, you know, uh, I've, I've watched him. I've, I've paid attention a lot
0: to the Iowa wrestling style. um, and, uh, you know, years ago when, when, uh, Spencer lost to a kid from Northwestern, mm-hmm. the kid, the kid from Northwestern, uh, what was his name?
1: Sebastian Rivera before he transferred.
0: Sebastian Rivera. Uh, he took it to Spencer Lee. I mean, he, op- he opened it up and I mean, I mean, he must've took him down four or five times. And in my eyes, I, I saw, uh, the weakness. I saw, uh, Spencer's, uh. His, his crutch or whatever and um so I knew it was possible for him to lose um some of the matches earlier in the season he got thrown to his back and ended up same kid right mm-hmm. and he lost in the semis um and then ended up coming back and winning but um I mean it just shows you can't stop wrestling the position that he was in that got pinned it was very unorthodox um but I mean, champs don't get caught like that. I mean, you're not supposed to get caught like that. And so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it was a weird, weird c- circumstance, uh, awkward position. But at the same time, I don't know. It just wasn't in his uh, day. It
1: wasn't his day. It wasn't his day, man. And <clears throat> we'll see what happens because and I don't know if the guys will cut down this year, but next year, obviously, that one ish weight disappears on the international scene. And so we're going to have a log jam at, I guess it's 125 and a half. So it's crazy because when you were wrestling, so in 2000, was that the last year they had all 10 weights in the Olympics?
0: Um, was that, I'm not quite sure. Cause
1: maybe yeah. 01 is when they started kind of trimming things down because, yeah. uh, yeah. Cause like, I mean, it got really bad there in 2008. It was only six or seven weights. I guess it's still the same on the Olympics, but at least we have more in the Worlds. But it's just crazy to think about Fix coming down, RBY coming down, Vito coming down, on top of Gilman already there, Lee's there. You got Soriano. It's like, good God. Wow. Yeah, that's stacked. Late Freaking times. nuts, man. So they're getting rid of that
0: weight 33s, huh? Just for the Olympic year. Okay. Okay. Yeah,
1: so in the in the world years, they have all 10 weights. I think they added that in 2017 because before that, Dake and David Taylor had never made a world team. And they were like six years out of college. And then because, you know, Dake was behind JB and then David Taylor was behind um, Jayden Cox. And that 2017 world team trials, I think they both went to three matches. And then the next year they opened it up and Dake and, and Magic Man both won world titles. So ever since like 2018, they've had 10 weights at the Worlds and just six for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which uh yeah i mean think about that that's john smith's weight 133 like and i know it's not exactly that but it's somewhere in there it's like that that's such a big thing is the weight classes at the time i mean uh james green i think about you know never really got a fair shake at the olympics because of that but um i was just looking back at at your weights and yeah in 2000 you redshirted and uh and then in 2004 like how much were you expecting teague to be in that finals with you versus henson
0: oh uh, i was i was you know i was preparing myself mentally for it you know he was in the match he was winning i think he was winning 3-0 just dominating the match and then right at the end you know henson threw him or took him uh what is he with his high gut turned him two or three times with it to win the match and so yeah um yeah i was really preparing for teague teague Moore's has always been my number one competitor i don't know if we mentioned that in my last uh, in the last, uh, interview, but
1: we barely mentioned it, but we didn't talk about the 99 semis.
0: Oh yes. Oh yes. That was was (laughs) one of the closest matches of my career for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I first wrestled him in high school in, in the junior nationals. And, uh, I thought I was, had an opportunity to beat him and something happened and he ended up winning and, um, I think the Junior Nationals are notoriously known for bad refs. So um, uh, I kind of got jacked in that match. But um, after that, we wrestled probably three or four more times. And and every time, it was always close. Um, He had those real flexible knees and heavy hips. So it was a little bit of a clash in styles. Um, But, um, yeah, he's always been my number one competitor. And I'll always be thankful for him because he really – uh, made me push myself to my to my best. Um, we actually had a conversation not too long ago. I like I found him on uh, Facebook or, or Instagram or something, and I sent him a message. And I just want to say thanks, man. You you really helped me get to to where I'm at today. And he, was, he said the same thing to me. You know, he thanked me for being a good competitor. And um, so I think you know over those years we we built a little bit of a, a friendship. And uh,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: yeah, that that uh that match in the semis, man i didn't even know i won at the end man i looked up at the ref and i was like did i win He's like, yeah it was my first double overtime match and man it was exciting i think i took him down one time right at the end of the third period there was probably like 10 seconds left and right at the end i took him down with this russian overhand snap overarm, over over tie that
1: chuck were you yeah. call- that is the filthiest little shuck, man. So dirty. let's set the stage for people. So your first year to the NCAA's, you're the number two seed. You end up taking a fourth. You come back and you know the at the time no one knows it, but you're on the the beginning of a three year win streak, and you wouldn't lose again after your freshman year. But in that semis, and that's that's the that's that Spencer Lee round we we're just talking about Friday night, things can get crazy, and so you're you're out there scrapping, and you had to hit a takedown just to take it to OT.
0: No. No, um, it was one-to-one
1: oh, wow. on one,
0: es- one escape a piece. And then the third period we're, we're going at it. And, um, I don't think either one of us really committed to, to too many shots. We weren't firing off because I think we know each other so well that our motion and everything was, was familiar. And so, um, I wouldn't say we didn't want to take any risks, but I, I think we're just waiting for the opportune time. Um, mm-hmm. And I had hit him with this overhand snap at the all-star duel. And I took him down with it there. Um, he likes to dig that underhook. And so when he did that underhook, I would just sit there and, you know, I had the trust in the motion in itself and I, and I popped it off and I took him down. And as soon as we hit the mat, though, he reached back and grabbed my leg. And so at that point, it was, I had to start defending I was holding mm. on for life. I was holding on trying to finish this match. It was like 10 seconds left. And I just took him down to take a 3-1 lead and going right to defense cuz he was on my leg, moving and he kept fighting, kept going, kept going and reverses me right at the last second to tie it up.
1: Oh, Hebrew. So, See, I didn't I just saw the bracket. I haven't watched this match. It's out there. Um I think Earl Smith posted it, but I haven't watched it in years. So he, you take him down off the shuck, he reverses you, and then what, do you ride out or you escape? Um, cause it was three three, right?
0: Yes, yes. So I'm not sure how the rules work then, cause I still don't understand what I went through. Um, but I, I, I believe I think it I had was to the one minute,
1: out. the one minute on your feet, and then you went sudden, you either had to escape or ride out to win. Old school. So that one minute. So
0: that one next one minute in overtime, I had must have got in on him like three or four times. And I could not finish. And I'm notoriously known for finishing. 90%, 98% I finish when I get on the leg. And I was in on his leg two or three times. And uh, we went into double overtime. And uh, I, did they I flip a coin or something? Must have flipped. And he chose down he chose, probably. Chose, chose down. And he chose down and as he sat down i sat down next to him and he turned to me and he looked in and he stuck out his hand and he said good match like like i'm about to win type thing like good match like it's all over i'm about to win before the that, overtime type <clears throat> thing wow right before the, right before that double overtime and so i shook his hands and good job good match you know and i didn't think i was going to lose i didn't have any kind of doubt or anything um and then i dropped in on that leg in the high seat position and uh, before they made that rule i i would use that if i ever needed it i would use it and i never really needed it too often mm-hmm. but i dropped in on that high c position the crackdown position and uh we moved around i think they called uh stalemate and brought us back and i did it again and that's when you know i, I think i pretty much won the match with that drop down and i think they changed the rule because of that you know yeah yeah
1: it that's a that's a wild one i mean just the uh the 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 back and forth with that i mean i like the i like how um back at that overtime well i shouldn't say i like that overtime because if you won the toss that's it wasn't as like predictable as winning the clinch like if you won the clinch you were gonna win but a lot of times back then if you won the flip and you went down you were getting out um now though it's interesting because they go two minutes and they go 30 30 if i ride you out and I get the riding time, I can go neutral at my choice. And I don't have to go down, and then the guy pretty much has to take me down. So I don't like that, but it's probably mm-hmm. a little bit better than the one back then because it wasn't – so that, that was 99. So in 97, Mike Mena, one of my Illinois heroes, he goes down against Guerrero maybe. And Guerrero wrote him out I can't remember maybe he chose top but those that that rule was crazy because that was literally all coming down to 30 seconds you know it, that was it
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess now they give a little bit of an opportunity for the other guy to have right. a chance yeah least, so
1: and then the uh the year that was interesting too that we didn't hit on last time was in two thousand one at Iowa the strip matter match it was high scoring. Um, And I actually haven't seen that one either. How did the score get so crazy in that one?
0: Well, um, I think by the end of the first period, I was up by four or five points. I had taken him down a few times. Um, But uh, he ended up taking me down a couple times. He took me down at least twice. Um, I think the score was 13 to 10. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a point in that match and uh, some photographer caught it where I had an ankle whizzer and he had stood up with my leg and I scooted behind his body and I had this vision of uh, taking his other leg and and kicking his other leg out and putting him on his back and I thought at the last second I was like if this doesn't work out and I go to my back I could lose this match so I ended up just giving it up and giving up the takedown. Um, and so, uh, he ended up doing the same thing and I got into the same position and I, it was a little bit faster this time. I was like, like, nope, I'm not going to do it and gave it up. So
1: um, there's a photo of it like right before that.
0: Yes, actually it's on USA wrestling magazine. Um, I've got it posted a few places. I think, uh, uh, I'll I'll research it a little more and get it out there, but it was a, a very, very unique position where I had an ankle wizard and he was standing up and my left arm was under his, under his leg like an underhook and I had my other foot ready to push his other leg out. Um, We had wrestled uh, earlier that year in a dual meet. They came to uh, Fresno to duel us. um, And we were the last match of the night and we were in a a similar type position. um, And I ended up pulling him to his back and held him on his back and got some back points and real funky type position. But, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that that was a little bit of a flashback there. Yeah, man. uh, You know, I don't, I remember now that um, I was sick, too. Um, I That's what Delito coach, said. Yeah, Coach always told me. He was like, I heard him coughing in the next door over. And um, I was sick. It was snowing. Um, but, yeah, but I, you know, got to grind through and do what you're supposed to.
1: Dude, the Abbas has wrestled a lot of Iowa guys at the big dance. And the match that, <clears throat> to me, is probably the first match that really jumped out to me, the NCAA level is when your brother wrestled Lincoln McElravey in the finals, were you there for that one? Or were you watching from home?
0: I watched it, uh, later on on video on video on VHS. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, what do you feel like when you watch that one? Uh, when I remember when I first saw it, how, how heartbreaking
0: it was for me, um, just to see, uh, you know, at that stage, he's being so close to winning. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean it didn't it looked like he was much better than than Lincoln, you know, technically looked like he was much better than him. Um but to see him uh fall like that and, and it looks like he just gassed out. I think that's what most of the country seen, my brother gassing out. Um I I don't know, and maybe that was an inspiration for me to to want to be in shape. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it's just such an iconic match. And of course, if you're on the other side of it, it's going to be a, a super painful moment. And I, and I I was just kicking myself last time because I, I wanted to ask you if you were there or not, because that had to be like, if you're there, it's really seared into mind. But if you're watching it after the fact, you know, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. But right. um, because, man, that was, you know, Jerry was in the finals a number of times, if not all four, four-time finalists,
0: three, three? three, times.
1: three yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you wrestled Lincoln McAravey, one of the best ever. You wrestle Alan Freed, one of the best ever. And it's crazy that he learned the outside from Alan Freed, and that's how you picked up that that shot.
0: My favorite shot, yeah.
1: God, man. And the amount of people since we posted that last episode that have messaged me, hey, where's it out online? And uh, I thought it was out there. There's no footage of Steven Avis showing the outside. So that's, at some point, man, uh, you have to get that up because it's, you can only notice it if you watch enough of your matches, but you do start to see it and it's it's a uh, man, it's such an interesting shot. It's weird to me that no one else has done it.
0: well, you know what i I want to do um for my future is start getting more on social media and um, I'll start posting stuff. so yeah, my uh, my Instagram is Abyss flow. um I'll be putting in putting stuff on and i'll I'll put that one on first the outside.
1: And all we need just is just some some college kid who loves wrestling, let him do it and you just give him the content to post so you don't have to mess with it all day. And uh <laughs> we should just record like two hours worth of technique and then have someone chop it up into like 40 different posts, you know, because there is an there is an appetite for it. And and even that <clears throat> that 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 outside snap down with the under or the overhook, mm-hmm,
0: you mm-hmm. don't
1: see that stuff anymore. No. No, did I tell you the
0: story of how I learned that? Tell me it now. At the Junior Worlds. I was at the Junior Worlds, and uh, Reggie Wright from, from Illinois was uh, one of our best guys, and he was wrestling a Russian, and the Russian was snapping him to his face. And I was like, what did he just do right there? And then he did it again. I think he must have done it two or three times. Um, and I was like, what? And I'm sitting in the back warming up and watching on these little screens that they're showing where the warm-up area is. And I'm sitting there watching, like, what the heck did he just do? And so, at the end of the tournament, I won, I got my gold, and um, uh, some fan came by and was like, "Hey, I, you know, I recorded all your matches. Would you like the video?" I'm like, "Yes, please." Um, do you have that match with Reggie Wright and the Russian in the quarterfinals? You have that match? He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Yeah, can I have that one too?" He's like, "Yeah, here you go." Wow. And so, I took that tape and I watched it a thousand times. Um, and that was how I learned it. And I tried it a couple times, and the next thing I knew, I was doing it. And uh, it was funny when I uh, officially learned it, was doing it. Um, we had a dual meet with uh, I want to say Boise State. We go out to Boise, and I hit this kid with it. Boom! He falls right to his hands and knees, and he turns around and he looks
1: at me, and he goes, "You got to show me that." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "On oh, top of him, was like, okay."
1: so this is when you're in moscow for the junior worlds
0: no it was actually it was actually uh uh, the one that was in prim nevada
1: okay got it and
0: uh, what year was that that was i want to say that was was that 2000 i think it might have been 2000 prim nevada
1: okay because reggie i mean man that's a you you know i love talking about illinois guys and He came out during a great era of Illinois wrestlers, Reggie Wright, Tony Davis, TJ Williams, but Mm -hmm. Reggie was a big Greco guy. So it doesn't surprise me. He's digging in upper hooks, almost standing up with the guy, you know, and Mm -hmm. then here, this Russian lets him sneak the underhook in. And then dude, just to hit them.
0: Wow. Burned him bad. Yeah. And you think at that high level, somebody shouldn't look that silly. I'm like, what just happened? He just made him look silly. Uh, It's almost like. Go ahead. I noticed that. I noticed that too with Satya and some of the matches that he had when he was when he was burning guys. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the world level right here." how is he doing that to these guys? And and he was another inspiration for me later. Like like, man, how do I get to that level? How can mm-hmm. I burn guys and make them look silly? Amazing mm-hmm. inspiration.
1: You did plenty of it, and, and Satya was big on the. Uh, I've said this about a hundred times too, but the slide by and. When I watched the 95 World, Satya versus Leopold, Leopold's the the guy on the scene. Satya was this scrawny little punk, singlets hanging off of, not even a punk, just like very unassuming. And he literally just with his right hand kind of posts on Leopold's flank and then three times hits him with a slide by. And I just watch it. I'm like, how is he doing that against Mm -hmm. the number one guy? It, It would just... And that was there. Then in '96, you see a whole new style when he's wrestling Kenny Monday and some of those guys, and he's hitting a lot more stuff. But at the beginning, that's all he had, and he hit it over and over. And it's just like, it's just amazing that some of those guys have a feel like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. I know. And like, what are they doing in practice? Like, how are they? And I hear about some of their practices, like they play soccer for like the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes. i so like, yeah. And then I hear that they don't start till like twelve years old or something. Like they don't even start wrestling, in the gymnastics. But yeah, it's amazing some of the stuff that they come up with. And yeah, and huge inspiration for the wrestling community.
1: It's cool though. Also, that you learned just from that tape because I remember vividly, two thousand and two World Championships were in Iran, and and the U.S. didn't go. But somehow my middle school coach had a tape of it, and I just I didn't even know the names. I didn't know the score. I think it was Elbris Tadeev, he kept hitting this, like, a, an elbow to a far ankle, and, like, three or four times in this match, and you can hear the Iranian horns going, and it's crazy. And I just remember watching this seventh grader, and I picked that up, and I used it forever. Like, kids can learn technique anyway. You know, you got to find your own way, but, like, there's no set way to learn it.
0: Right, right. Sometimes it, it takes, a, uh, you know, something they see. Sometimes it's something that they hear. hmm um, yeah, it's it's all about. I mean, what kind of what kind of learner are you? A visual, audio, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah. Especially these days with all the video out there, um, you can definitely see how wrestling has is, is, uh improved over the years.
1: Well, and you're you're seeing it now. I mean, you, you've seen it at the highest level, and we're watching Cale and, and Penn State dominate. And I know you've coached and are coaching. I mean, what do you think? um like some of the biggest like misconceptions are about about wrestling that we still see so i think kale's helped kind of nullify a lot of them that you don't have to take it so serious he says it's a game he says there's bigger things in life than wrestling but what are some of the things you see from a coaching perspective that are still maybe holding kids back that that coaches are out there preaching when really you don't think it's in the best interest
0: um well i think at at that uh, side of wrestling the mental side um I think the mental side is the most important. So, um, how do we get a control control of that? Uh, you know, uh, we say that wrestling's ninety percent mental, but we don't practice ninety percent. We we practice ninety percent physical, um, and you got to find those moments to to test yourself, to practice yourself mentally. Um, and what it really boils down to is confidence. Um, you know, uh, I think rarely. People are born with competence. I think most of the time it's built. It's built through our experiences. It's built, um, you know, doing it every day. You know, one of the things that I did mentally to prepare myself uh, to practice my mental was was I would uh, make it real in my head at practice. I'd make it real, like, this is, I gotta get this takedown right here. This is important. Um, And so I would would practice putting myself there mentally. Um, And so when the time came and I was in the good match and had to finish this takedown, I, I went and I did it. And so, um, I think, uh, yeah, building that confidence. So we build the confidence, um, by trying it, by experiencing it. Um, if you go through a match all season and you do one shot all season and it works, what happens when that shot doesn't work? What are you going to rely on? What are you, What's your mentality going to be like? Um, and so uh, I always preach um, trying to uh, gain an arsenal of attacks, having an arsenal of attacks, practicing shooting, shoot in practice, mm-hmm. get to the leg. If you don't finish, it doesn't matter. You're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so. Yeah, I mean, our, our lives are, are built on on moments, moments and decisions, and some of those decisions are big, have have big weight, um, and those moments go by fast. Those moments are, are gone in a second, um, so mm-hmm. we got to take advantage of those moments. And all those moments accumulate. Those 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 few minutes in each match that go by, they're important. You know, I I had opportunities to to pin guys in the first round but i'd let them off their back so i can get some more takedowns so i could learn a little bit more really Uh, that was oh oh yeah that was a a big thing for me like how long can i stay on this mat like let me let me stay on this mat and learn as much as i can and that was true to my uh career most of my career until like the very end my senior year i remember I got to get off the mat. I was like, so <laughs> nervous. Was, uh, my senior year in college, I was so nervous um, at some points. And I felt like I wanted to get on and off the mat. Pin, let me pin this guy and I'm, and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part in my career, I felt like I needed to uh, gain as much experience as I can. I'm the best guy in the country. Um, I'm going to use this guy to get better. I could beat him in the in one minute, but why would I do that when I could score five, six, seven, eight takedowns and b- build that confidence to know that I can do it in a match? And that confidence was built over the years.
1: And I love how you say in practice, it may just be a go, like a regular go, and you're going against a second string guy who no one in the country is ever going to hear this guy's name, and you could you could always beat him. But in your mind you're in the NCAA semifinals and you got to get a takedown and it could just be a normalized practice. And that's how you're thinking about it.
0: Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that's just a part of that mental practice. And you know, every day in practice, we are faced with these workout partners and, you know, we, we tend to learn about each other and what we do. Um, and I was trying things. Let me try this. Let me see if this works. Cause and ultimately it doesn't matter in practice if I fail or if I get put to my back or, something doesn't work because it's an opportunity to learn. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times kids get caught up and trying to win in practice and, and they get nervous and they don't shoot. and, and It's just mm-hmm. the wrong way to think about it. I mean, it's, it's time to learn. practice is a time mm-hmm. to learn. So go out and try something that you normally wouldn't. Um, I remember, you know, trying a takedown um, at a dual meet. I don't know who we were wrestling. Might've been like Fullerton or, you know, some small team and, I tried to take down with my leg, like a, like a leg hook, a capoeira takedown. Um, Really? Yeah. I mean, just to expand it and see if it works, you know? So, you know, that was, you know, that, I think that might've been my senior year, junior year in college. I was already the man and I'm looking for ways to expand my knowledge, expand my, my, uh, my arsenal, being able to attack with my legs. And I don't think wow. it's ever been done. So yeah, I thought you know, that was just my mentality on it.
1: And you, there was a clip I saw just this morning. You must've been late in your college career because you you were on top. It was like a restart on top and you kind of like take your hands off the guy, let him stand up and throw a hard cradle on him. And you just pulled him <laughs> right back. Did you do that a lot?
0: Uh, you know, that was something I came up with later in my career. Yeah. I'm like, let me see if this works. And so, yeah, I let go. So he feels like he's free and ready to get up, but I keep all my weight on his upper back. Mm -hmm. So when he tries to step up, all, all that comes up is his leg. And I have all my weight on his head. So I just, yeah, go for the roll. Yeah. I actually teach that in some of the the clinics and stuff that I do. Um, It's, it's one of the few ways I pinned guys. I didn't really pin guys too much. I didn't, didn't want to, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, if our team needed it or, or if I wanted to get off the mat, you know, yeah, I would use that one in, in a half and a uh, two on one roll half that, that worked pretty well too.
1: Knowing uh, you weren't a, knowing you were more of a takedown guy, still just makes that more ride out all the more epic. Like that's <laughs> not your specialty. I mean, yeah, you could ride probably most of the guys, but people think about Stephen Havis. You're not thinking about uh like Spencer Lee's top game. You know, that, that's what you think about um, with that. So, yeah, no that that cradle. I had to ask you about it because I'm like, I bet there's a story behind it. And sure enough, man, because it looked like you had done it a lot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny when I show it too. The the kids are like, "What is he doing? What do you mean, let him
1: go? Why is your hands out like that?"
0: And I explain that you know you want to let him feel something that's not there, like make him think that he's free, but he's really not. I'm setting him up. It's called a setup, and um, I give my opponent a couple of options. You only have two options, and I got something for each one of those. Mm-hmm. So I, I applied that quite a few times in my matches.
1: And when you think about cross-training, yeah, you know, there's a big section of wrestling that thinks the way to get tougher mentally is to put yourself in excruciating physical things and push through it. And there's something to be said for that. And I don't know why, if this is true or not, but when I think about your style and your approach, to me, I don't, I don't get the sense that you're in there banging weights and running hills all day long. Were, were you doing that kind of cross-training or what was your approach to it?
0: No, no, not at all. Um, I always believed that I was going to do most of my learning in the mat room, practice time, um, the physical part, the running, the lifting, I just did with the team. I didn't do anything extra. Um, you know, after the season, like in high school, Um, I would go on my runs because the rest of my team wasn't, and I was the only one training for junior nationals and things like that. And so
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, I would go on my runs. And, um, I remember specifically at James Logan, um, being on the track and the football team was in the middle of the field and I'm running around the track and, and I heard the coach say, look at him, look at him, look at him running all by himself. Look at that dedication. Look at that focus. And, um, and so, yeah, I—I I, I, those are the times when I, I did the extra, you know, um, in the summertime when when I was alone. Um, but during the season, no, nah, I, I mean, it's a grinding season. So um, I would push myself really hard in the room. I would I would wrestle hard. I'd wrestle hard every day. Um, and I felt mentally that was what was going to prepare me for my matches.
1: What about like <clears> – <throat> 2003 2004 where you're at, you're nearing you know the some of the some of the best wrestling you ever did and you're not even tied to the college team you're all on your own what's your what's your daily routine like then um i think at those those years i was at the training center
0: and so i was under their uh, workout uh, uh agenda mm-hmm. um you know I, we had our days where we had double days in the mat room and then we had days where we had lifting in the mornings and we had days where we had run in the morning. Um, I hated the swimming part. I've never been a, a swimmer, so uh, they had swim workouts, and I'm like, "Can I get one of those paddle boards, please?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I was under under their workout agenda, and and again, I didn't I didn't do anything extra because I trusted the coaches, I trusted our workouts, um, and again, I, I I trained hard, I worked out hard in practice, um, so yeah, so I was you're scrum- you can
1: you you're learning and, and getting the most in shape and the most strength through wrestling versus ancillary stuff.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, our mentality too, uh, plays a lot into our stamina. I think, um, sometimes when you get too nervous, you get tired mm-hmm. and, um, I never had that issue where I was that nervous. Well, I can't say never because I do know what that feels like um, to have uh, cement in my shoes and not being able to move like I want. Is that your the senior job.
1: year you're talking or a different time? Oh,
0: no, way, way before that. Yeah, yeah, way before that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I do know what it feels like to, to be able to be stuck and too nervous or you can't move. Um, and so uh, I know that that's not what I want to do. I know that that's not how I want to feel. So um, I just stayed confident, right? Stayed confident and positive, positive. Um, and that was always uh, the things that that helped me get through. Like I remember, you know, think about some of my biggest matches. I'm, I have a smile on my face before I'm wrestling, and you know, I'm just excited to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, no doubts going through my head, no no negativity. I'll just positives. Go have some fun. So I think that always brought the best out of me.
1: I was going to ask you that at the beginning, because you said you watch Vito on a warm up, and you could tell by the way he was looking that he was all business. And I Vito before a match does get a level of seriousness on his face and he's not that serious of a guy, but before a match, it's all business. And I was going to ask you, what was your 10 minutes out? Are you loose? Are you serious? Where, where are you at? You said you were smiling.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I like to be alone. I don't like too many people around me. I don't want people talking to me. No, um, I like to be alone and and just, you know, I, it's hard to say now, but you know, in the zone, right? I'm I'm not really thinking about anything. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, clear headed, uh, and I remind myself to have fun. This is gonna be fun, um, and then and then you build that excitement, and when it's time to get out on the mat, um, it's it's on. So yeah, you know, it's funny. I was watching that that warm-up with Vito and he was doing something with his hands like like really fast. Like he did it like two or three times. I'm like, what's he doing? But then he was warming up his hands because when he took that first shot, it was so fast. I had to rewind it. I was like, what was that? And he just really exploded to it. And I was like, oh, that's what he's doing with his hands. Getting them ready.
1: Yeah. I know exactly the clip you're talking about. Cause it's like it's like crazy it's almost like uh i'm kind of like kung fu or something you know you're like what's he doing that i don't know about (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh that's the great thing about it though right so many people can approach it so differently and win like you have uh you know the brains brothers who they're they're headbutting the wall before a match right who knows what they're doing they're going crazy and then you got dave schultz who's you know, messing around. Then you got Ben Askren who has a boom box standing behind the guy he's wrestling. Then you got you, you're a little bit more stoic. So it's like, there's so many different ways to get it done at the highest level.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, those are the types of things you have to figure out for yourself. Um, and it, and it comes with experience, right? Getting in there and putting yourself through it every day. And I think, you know, I think eventually you get used to it and you find a way to, to, to find your balance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I heard about Schultz doing Tai Chi, you know, just calming himself. Right. And I, and I love to be calm too. You know, I'm, I wasn't very, uh, big on hype. i get, get myself hyped up. I was calm. I was mm-hmm. relaxed. Yeah. And so that was, I, that's what I found. Uh, I would bring my best out of me.
1: And is that when you, uh, Capoeira, is that something you, you were pretty big into back in the day? Maybe you still are. What is that? Capoeira. Capoeira.
0: Capoeira. Capoeira is a, a Brazilian martial art. And I was introduced to it in high school. I had some friends in high school that did it. And uh, my older brother was a, a breakdancer uh, growing up. And so I was drawn to it immediately. Um, Capoeira is, is, uh, is the originating uh, motion. Um, it's uh, rhythm and combat. They play music, they sing um and they and they work on their their striking techniques um it was my healthy distraction i think uh i think everybody at high levels needs that um i think uh for kale it was his pokemon cards um and it was a healthy distraction and and it helped me stay in good shape it's a it's a constant motion so um i love the the energy when i would go to these uh these these joras, these capoeira uh seminars. And uh everybody was just so cool, just just uh uh giving and um it was awesome. It was awesome and I loved the energy right away. And so I got into it and, and then I would use it for warm ups. I would just get out there and move. And I think some of the people noticed it and they're like, what's he doing out there? He looks like he's breakdancing. Like, yeah. And I just love the 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 motion of it. And, and then later on, I was able to uh, correlate it with ry- rhythm in combat. Uh, when we when we grab somebody, there's a, a energy, there's a, a rhythm, there's a tempo, um, and so um, I was able to to correlate the two,
1: and um, really really made sense to me. That's got to be something when you're doing it. You're feeling so loose, you're so in the moment, you're not even thinking about anything else. You're just going with it.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's that's what I was kind of talking about earlier about moments, right we're We're in the moment, and uh you know those those moments go by fast, so um yeah i I really appreciated um being being able to do that,
1: yeah, yeah, I remember uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but one of the first big tournaments I saw in person was the o four Olympic trials. My mom took me for my eighth grade birthday, and I snuck into the warm up area. It wasn't really sneaking in, but like the warm-up area, there was a big tarp on the fifty-yard line on the backside of the RCA Dome. I remember watching people warm up. I actually love watching the warm-ups more than the matches sometimes. And I do mm-hmm. remember you doing some crazy shit like that. I'm like, what the hell is he doing, man? And then you had the the uh, the tattoo that looked kind of like it had maybe some Brazilian influence. I didn't know at the time, but then afterwards, I heard someone say it, and I'm like capoeira like man that's he's on to something there man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah it was it was pretty cool you know when i got to the olympics too uh some brazilians saw me and they're like hey capoeira I was like yeah I'm, I'm a i'm a capoeira
1: <laughs> you mentioned uh Kale had the pokemon cards did you guys have any uh kind of like meaningful relationship during like the 04 season and then that summer getting ready for athens did you have any interactions with him at standout um We've, we've had a few, we've been on a few teams
0: together. So, um, we've got history. Um, we've never been like, we never clicked. I don't think, you know, we, I think, uh, we might've came from two different worlds or something. Um, but we were always cool with each other. You know, I, I saw him, uh, probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago at a camp. We did a camp together and, uh, he took me to the airport. We had this nice little conversation on the way in the car. And it was funny cause he needed gas. So we pulled over and, uh, we're out we're out talking i get out with him and he's pumping the gas and i'm talking with them and this kid comes over and he's like hey you're kill sanderson uh, he's like yeah yeah what's up he's like oh and he's like the look in his eyes is like oh my gosh and uh and then kill goes you know this is Stephen abbas right here this is Stephen abbas and the kid kind of looked at me and he didn't really know who i was He was like oh okay yeah <laughs> but, but yeah um yeah. but me me and kale were, Yeah, we go way back. We go way back. Uh, We wrestled um, back in 94. Cadet World Team? That was for the Junior, for the Cadet, no, the the Regionals. It was the Western Regionals in Vegas. It was like right before the U.S. Open.
1: Oh, yeah, because he's coming out from Utah. So you guys are going to that Western Region. The Western Regional. It was 112
0: pounds. We wrestled each other. Um Dang. Well, yeah, we've got history. Um, you know, funny story too. We, we made a, a Japan team. We were in Japan one year and uh we all go out to the bars right afterwards and um me and me and Teague or or you know buddy buddy, we're like, Hey and uh Teague Teague just passes out on the streets of Tokyo, <laughs> and and uh, K- and Kale picks him up and throws him on his back like a backpack, and just carries him all the way to the subway, all the way to the hotel, and it was just like, wow, that was one of the funniest stories, man. uh Yeah, me and Kale go way back. I, I love the dude. He's he's a cool dude. He's he's uh, he's real quiet. I'm 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 so proud of him. What he's been able to do and. And at Penn State, it's just unbelievable what he what he's been able to do. And so,
1: and not so only cool. the winning though, it's like how he does it. it. It like gives kids an ability to like not be so focused on the winning and the losing, which I love that. You know, I love that his his hit Penn State winning and all the interviews he does. It just shows the guys that like you don't need to be so win 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 win. And you and now you're wrestling tight because you're afraid of losing and you're afraid of what people think. So, what man. It's just cool that that's the message that comes seems to be coming through through that system.
0: Oh, I know. I you know I have always been a believer in, in thinking that's the most important thing. You got to have your mind right, and if you could get a kid to think about the right things, just by saying a few words to him, get him to think, use his mm-hmm. own brain to process it. That's huge. That's huge. And you give them the right message, they could they could take that to the rest of their life. And so, yeah, that's, that's so awesome. I'm a big believer in, it makes sense.
1: And you mentioned you guys were on a a trip in Japan. I was going to say, do you like these, the tour life, I don't know how many tours you went on, like the January, February, March tours. Did you do quite a few of those in the early 2000s?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Went out to Japan, um, went out to Egypt. Egypt was real cool. Um, Wow. Yeah. It was just me and Bruce Burnett, me and him. Yeah. Really? They, they needed uh they needed me to uh, get points so the the weight class would qualify we needed to qualify the weight class and so um, I had to beat a certain country if this country shows up you got to beat them like all right so they sent me out there I made weight and it wasn't easy I was cutting some weight-hmm uh, first time out in that area and uh we get to weigh-ins and I got my drink with me ready to drink it. So winds are coming up and uh i see Br- burnett talking to another coach and he comes back over to me and he goes you know that country didn't show up um
1: yeah. so
0: do you want do you want to wrestle in this tournament or do you want to go see the pyramids <laughs> 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 like, what what a question um yeah let's go to the pyramids please yeah let's- seriously i've had wrestling matches before I'm like, i I'm want to go see some pyramids wow. so we took a trip we took a trip to the pyramids and and had a great day out there. Oh.
1: I um I'm a little bit of a I wouldn't say conspiracy theorist, but a questioner of things. And that's one that I still don't understand. The the in number of million blocks that had to be exactly in order, each block's two tons, like how the hell are they doing that? So I mean you saw it up close.
0: Yeah. Oh, I've got I've got my conspiracy theories as well. Know, aliens <laughs> did it. You know, the, the giants did it back in the day. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, not, exactly. even, not even about a month ago, though, we were seeing alien sightings all over the place. I'm like, this is it. Like, it's yeah. finally happening. I'm like. Yeah,
0: I, I think, yeah, it's it's weird. But um, you've seen it a lot in the media, too. Just they're like preparing us. You know, oh, yeah. at first, back in the 50s and 60s, you were crazy if you said you saw an alien. But they're preparing us. They're, they're putting it out there more because they're coming.
1: They're slow <laughs> dropping it. They are no. Did Did you ever have any uh any crazy trips like travel wise or going to Dagestan and getting in any sketchy situations or was your tours man, pretty uh copacetic? Oh,
0: man, there's one one trip when we went to Moscow. It was for the uh for the World Cup, and we went to Moscow and brought a full team, full squad. We get to the airport in Moscow, and like two guys get their bags, and maybe the maybe the doctor. and we're like what the heck and so they're like oh yeah we'll send them to your hotel when we get them we get there the hotel nothing next day goes by nothing i had my clothes on that i wore on the airplane for three days
1: no wrestling shoes nothing i
0: i was lucky to bring my shoes i remember back in the day coach said don't forget your shoes carry them with you so i carried my shoes with me but i didn't have a singlet I didn't have no workout look clothes, no nothing. Just the clothes I had on and my wrestling shoes. And um wow. for those few days we were we were sending our clothes through the laundry every day, washing them and bringing them back and um it was crazy cuz uh we needed singlets. So all the coaches or somebody went out and bought some local singlets, even bought some shoes for some of the guys that needed shoes. And um you know, I'm I'm Wrestling my match and have to take my singlet off and give it to Mike's attic. Like, hey, here you go. <laughs> <Like, laughs> oh Sharing singlets, man. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, Did you ever get them I back? Could, at, when we left, the la- right when we get to the airport to leave, go back home, they're like, oh, here's your bags. <laughs> like, what?
1: <laughs> oh, that's convenient. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> man, you know they're pulling some shenanigans in that case.
0: Yeah, let's, let's try to get in these Americans' heads. And, you beat them first before they get here.
1: Well, it's like now you hear when, when guys travel, it's <clears throat> I'm thinking of Kyle Dick, right? He's very particular. He has all his nutrients. He has his, his certain, you know, he has a water filter with him and he's very on the ball. And, and I, I love the details. But you think about something like that, man, like they're taking your stuff for five days and you're just got to roll with it.
0: Exactly. Right. Damn. And, you know, and I, I don't know what our coaches told us to calm us down, and make us relax, but. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that we're not in control of. You know, we got to you worry about the things we are in control of. And yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: how did it how did it come to be that when you came back in uh, you know, wait, that Zeke was in your corner? Did he coach you the whole time?
0: Um, well, I'm glad you brought him up because uh, you know, back in 97, I think Zeke was on his way out and I don't know if he saw something in me. I was right out of high school. Um, I think I played sixth at the U S open that year Damn. and, uh, and he brought me under his wing, man. He, he, he took me out to Arizona with them and I was training with him. I was helping, he was, I was helping him. Um, and he was helping me obviously. Um, but he was always such a, one of the biggest influences and in helping me, uh, reach my goals because he brought me under my, under, under his wing right away. Um. So uh yeah he's always been tricky. What would you ask about? Well him? just
1: the, just how he ended up in your corner cuz I was watching the oh, 08 yeah. trials the other day and um he was in the corner I'm like oh that's interesting cuz I didn't remember seeing him uh, in some of the early cycles.
0: Yeah, yeah. No in 2004 he was he was in my corner in the finals.
1: Oh he was. Wow. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah, he was one of my biggest coaches at the Olympics, man. For every match he he had the game plan. He would scout these guys out and figure out what they did. And and he was like, all right, this guy does this. Watch out for this. All right, this guy does this. Watch out for this. And let's go in the back right now and practice it and get it right. And uh, he was so, so uh, intricate when it came to technique. And he's like, he really broke it down. And so he was a huge influence at the Olympic Games for me. Um, really broke down everything for me. And the finals, wow. it, was, it was funny. On the finals, though, he had nothing. <laughs> he's like, this guy's good on top. Like, okay, thanks. But yeah, I, I had wrestled Batira before. And, um,
1: oh, dude, you had the if you look at the 2003 Worlds and the 2004 Olympics, your first two matches in both of those tournaments are the most vicious, brutal draws I've ever seen in my life. 03, you opened with Batira, beat him, and then you lost to the Moldovan who took second. Fast well, forward, right? Well, or no, in two, well, in
0: 2003, I had to beat the Olympic champ. Batirov, right? In the first round? No, no, no. I had to beat him first round and then I had to beat the Olympic Oh, Abdulayev
1: from Azerbaijan. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So I missed that. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. both times you win your first, because then in 04, you open with the Cuban world champ and yep. then you wrestle the Moldovan who took second in New York. And well, so had you had, me. yeah, yeah, because he, he beat you in the quarters. The quarters. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, so, I forgot yeah. about
1: Abdullah. Dude, that is, Batirov, Abdullayev the cuban and then and the i love your i won't make over. you retell it but that cuban story with kj crazy oh, man. Right. that is unbelievable um yeah. and then just batira in that you saw him cutting down like that like god oh yeah
0: yeah yeah Freaking unbelievable nuts. he had the take- <laughs>
1: the other thing i was going to ask you that I, I didn't is at the end of the 08 trials you know you and henry obviously go to a, a, a three matches you're banged up big time but at the end of it though You raised his hand. Was that planned or that just happened? No, you know,
0: um, first of all, I was planning on putting my shoes out on the mat, regardless if I won or lost, Um, but I knew that he was the future. Like, I I really believed in him. Um, I don't think that I was that that much out of it. Like, if it wasn't for him, I would have made the team, Um, but... I really thought he was the future and he deserved it. Right. He worked hard. He works hard. And, um, and so, you know, I raised his hand. I was like, he beat me. He's the man. Like I told him, you know, even after that match before the Olympics, I was, I was in his ear, you know, like congratulations, good job, go get him, you know, unleash. I was like coaching him, you know, Mm -hmm. before he he wrestled. And, um, so yeah, um, I held, I held him in, in high regard. He was, he was a respectable opponent um yeah so yeah
1: well it's just cool to see uh you know all all the guys in that corner you got obviously Terry in his corner Zeke and yours and and Delito and um yeah I was just wondering the the connection with Zeke and and you said something that's interesting is at the Olympics he's breaking stuff down so like at the you know you hear a lot of guys say I'm going to focus on myself but at that level you got to be scouting guys basically to be uh to be on the up and up a little bit
0: well I I think uh the coaches did that coaches coaches okay. did that
1: and so you're not was, sitting around watching those guys as much as they are oh no nope nope i didn't watch him at all actually no wow uh,
0: i i definitely uh, like to step away like once i'm done i i i release and get it off my back and move forward right and so um i was just lucky to have him doing it because what he told me was was key like the the things that i uh think fig- Uh, felt in the semifinals against the Japanese guy um, Zeke had already broken him down. He's like, he likes to do this from here. And from, from top, he likes to do this from here and both things he tried in the match. And both times I reacted perfectly and didn't get scored on
1: Wow! Um,
0: just because I had that extra knowledge, that little extra knowledge that Zeke gave me. And he gave it to me like right before the match, you know, it wasn't something that I was dwelling on for like a day or whatever, um this is something right before the match like all right let's go work on this I'm like okay
1: i mean we're so, talking about a guy who beat Valentin giordano like this is one of the uh and, and that was at a loaded american weight too like for him to even make the team he's got some really tough guys at that time as well
0: uh 14 and a half was his weight yeah <sighs> man that tiny, had to tiny. be a
1: cut man yeah, um, yeah. wow zeke's, well, the, man.
0: zeke's yeah. the man love that guy
1: it's exciting to see what he's doing at Arizona State. Man, he brought them back, and then you know his his coaching tree is getting out there a little bit now. I mean, I don't know if you can send Pendleton part of his tree, but I know Pendleton was with him for a long time, and now Pendleton's at Oregon, Oregon State doing some great things. So, it's good to see the uh, you got some West Coast powers, and um, it'd be good to see uh, you know some more of them come up. You know, out, out in California, no question.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, we got a lot of good wrestling out here.
1: Oh my God, keep, insane! Keep it going insane and uh and steven man like i said growing up man you were one of my idols so it's great to have you on the podcast you're welcome back anytime any what any, any last words before we sign off this time or anything you wanted to cover that we haven't hit on yet um you know there's uh, a few things that i kind of wanted to talk about coaching let's do um,
0: it yeah yeah i mean let's do it uh, been in a coach for a few years now and um being able to to see it from the other side and Um, it's been awesome and so some of the things that that i've noticed too at the ncaa's um the some of the best guys are doing it and that's striking first like shooting right off the bat like first 10 seconds get your shot off because you're what we learned we call it set the tone but what i call it is uh, set the roles i'm the shooter you're the defender so make that clear right away this is what's going to happen i'm going to shoot and you're going to defend and whether you get the shot or not whether you take him down or not the mentality is still there like oh no he's shooting he's he's attacking what's he going what's he going to shoot next and so you keep your opponent off balance you keep them off balance physically and mentally um and so uh staying active like uh too many times you see guys hanging out hanging out in tie-ups, just hanging out, not doing anything, just standing there. And that's a big no-no. Like, Mm -hmm. if you've got your hands on your opponent, you should be moving them, leaning on them, uh, making them step, making them react. Um, And something that I learned from Kevin, being a constant threat. Being a constant threat. That doesn't mean constantly shooting. That means constantly keeping your opponent thinking. Um, Again, again, keeping them off balance mentally. Um, And so... Uh, being a constant threat is huge um especially yeah, I mean,
1: when it, we don't see like this was the lowest year of scoring in ncaa or not in re- ncaa history but in recent history like the number of total match points scored at this ncaa tournament were as low as it's been in, in quite some while and now, i don't think the wrestling was any more boring but i do think a theme you saw this year was that you're seeing a lot of one one matches go to ot and across seven minutes of wrestling that's a little crazy
0: I know. I know. And I was watching that first day and one of the comment commentators was talking about how writing is so important. Writing and writing. And sure enough, you saw a lot of people writing. And uh, and I'm thinking, I'm like, no. It's about takedowns. You gotta take them down. People want to see takedowns. People want to see writing. Um, and so I, I kind of you know, had that in the back of my head when I was competing. like Putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it for the fans. And and it paid off. I think I made a, a memory you know, for a lot of people just seeing me wrestle like, oh, that dude was cool. He took some shots. He, he had some skills. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I did notice that this year that there was a lot more riding going on. Um,
1: but What do you uh, say to people who say that the scramblings advance further than the offense has so people aren't shooting because if they shoot, they're going to get countered and scrambled on?
0: Ah, uh, That's awesome. I think that's uh, an that's evolution. That's an evolution um, because that makes your finishes more. You have to be you have to be able to finish now. Um, and one thing that could help with that is when you get your shot, you got to keep moving. You don't allow him to get into a scramble position. Um, and I don't I can't say that the guys that I ever wrestled were scramble maniacs. Um, I was probably the scramble maniac out of everybody, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, but at the same time, when you get in on your shot, you can't give your opponent an opportunity to adjust. You just take them down. You lean on them the right way. You create the angle the right way. Keep your pressure going the right way. Um, and yeah, uh, that's I think that's 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 awesome though to to hear that that the scrambles because that's true. I mean, you see, I saw some scramble the other days like lasted for. I don't know. Thirty seconds. These guys are going back and forth, and so yeah, it's that's awesome. I mean, it just it just helps um, you get better. It helps
1: you know, want to learn in finishing. It's awesome because you see it with <clears throat> Higino Tool is one of the the most prolific scramblers in terms of. If someone gets to his legs, he's scoring, and he has a lot of ways to do it. And I don't, I don't even necessarily mean roll under your back or diving for ankles like he i'm sure he does that but he's got a lot of ways to score from a scramble situation but david carr in the first two matches you saw a proficient finisher and there was no way that o'toole could scramble with him and so in the third match o'toole doesn't even let him get to the legs and that's getting back to the basics baseline defense don't let anyone touch your legs Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's and that's like kind of going back to like history repeats itself right like if we're in this era of Scrambling. Well, scrambling means the guy's in on your legs. So maybe we'll see another repeat of history where it's just heavy hands, heavy, heavy, um, like heavy head position. Like I think about the Iranian that Yanni wrestles. That guy's so good with head hands defense that no one even touches his legs. So maybe we'll mm-hmm. see a a reversion back to that.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. When I mean, you come some time to the basics, right? Get to those highest levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I think anything. Uh, else the dynamics that you that you can bring is is beneficial um but you know being good at the basics that's yeah. that's really a, a strong strong base to have.
1: What do you think about the match quantity that you see at the college level now? about half of what it was when you were there
0: right right uh i i don't I don't like it like I you know it's it's too bad, right It's too bad that they don't get as many matches. Um, I know I definitely benefited from it having a bunch of matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: do you think uh, it's, it's true bad, that guys bad. that wrestle that many more matches in high school that they don't need to in college now, or is that kind of something you'd like to dispel?
0: Not at all, not at all. I think uh, being able to wrestle in college is huge. It, it, the guys are way better, right? And the, the competition's way better. So um, having the opportunity to wrestle better guys is going to make you better. It's going to get you better. And, well, yeah. I mean, what did they have? Like eighteen matches or some? Some of the guys like, like what? Right. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I thought it was for some reason it was COVID or something. Like, oh, that's kind of when it started, though. No, I mean,
1: it kind of feels like that way a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right. You said you like six
0: it. matches or something.
1: Yeah. Like year. And it's um, it, it's 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 tough because on one side of it you hear that in like the nineties and I guess you were a nineties guy. So you would know, but like guys were overtrained, they were over-competed and they were just broken at the end of the year. And, you know, obviously you don't want your favorite athletes to go through that. But at the same time you think about where we're at now and not every, like Mason Paris wrestled a full schedule. God bless him. He's wrestling a lot, but some of the best guys aren't. And I just think what healthy sport is trending in the direction where, 10 years later, they're doing half the competitions they did a year ago. Like, I don't know if that's a good sign of like wrestling viewership. If the matches have been cut in half, you know, from where they were in the early two thousands.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a shame. That's definitely, uh, I don't think, I don't think it's good for the sport. I don't think it's good for the sport and definitely not good for our future as a country. If we're going to be competing on that, that high level, we need to get our experience and we need to get our match count up. And, uh, really learned. So
1: One another thing uh, I had Cole Conrad on, and he, he was saying, he's like, the main thing is that he's like, I wish I had more matches. He's like, I loved every college match I wrestled in. It's like, it's not that I w- was like looking at each match as a way to improve my seat. He's like, I just love going out there, and I wish I would have had more. So there's that side of it too. You know, like they just love it so much that now you're 10 years removed. What you do for another college match, you'd cut your hand off for another mm-hmm. college match. You know, that's right. kind of how he <laughs> takes it.
0: No, that's right. I mean, the, the feeling you get out there and wrestling on that level is is, is awesome, you know, to feel that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm in the same way. Like, I, I loved going out there and competing on that level. It was so much fun. And, I mean, nowadays, too, I mean, they get their image and likeness. So, uh, there are opportunities to make more money when they go out there and, uh, and perform on that stage. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Were there any other observations you saw from the coaching chair outside of the the strike first? I love that one. Um yeah, I mean
0: I guess just uh man like that, that kid from Princeton. He was uh, the one it Pat Glory. Um, yeah, Glory. He was one of the guys who was shooting the first 2 seconds. He was in on the leg and so um yeah, I mean other than that, I think uh you know, staying focused and having fun. Um but you know, every match is different, you know, take advantage of the opportunities you, you're given, um, you know, like uh, like McGee when he had the leg, you know, he, had, he could have he had his chance, but, man. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, that was an awesome tournament. Uh, I loved watching it. And it was. Seeing some of it go down, man.
1: The exciting thing is that this year the U.S. Open means something, so all the big guys will be at the U.S. Open who didn't medal at the Worlds last year, so. Yeah, I think back to your era, the U.S. Open, U.S. Nationals meant something. And the past couple of years, there's been, you know, that I get they're trying to, you know, monkey around with the process to make it more viewer friendly. And I'm all in favor of it. But I do love when the U.S. Open, like, all right, if you didn't medal at the Worlds last year, you got to go back through it. So I think Gross and uh, Hayden Zillner, they're going back to the U.S. Open and everybody else is going to get a shot at Final X. So it'll be fun to watch that.
0: Nice. Yes. Yes. Uh, I definitely looking forward to that as well. It's been a while since I've been to that tournament, so it'd be cool to get back yeah, there.
1: Definitely, man. Well, Stephen Avis, man, thank you so much for carving out some time. It's always an honor to have you on and wish you nothing but the best. And I hope, hope we cross past this spring here.
0: Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it so much. And uh, this has been awesome. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see you and, and hopefully do this again. Be absolutely awesome.
1: brother yeah next next time i'm coming to california we're gonna record some some technique while i'm out there
0: hey there you go i'm that how are you talking i'm ready
1: when you are awesome man well i'll talk to you soon thanks ryan take care thanks for listening to this episode of wrestling changed my life with Stephen abbas if you enjoyed this episode please leave an apple podcast review and subscribe to the show we'll see you next time with a new episode of wrestling changed my life peace